Welcome to Beading Together, a way of being together while you bead, crochet, walk, drive, enjoy a cup of tea, or stitch a quilt. We're here to keep you company while you get into flow. So put on your comfy mocks, turn up the speakers, and join us and our invited guests at the virtual kitchen table where we will talk about life, from birthing to the end and all things between. We're recording today on the traditional territory of the Chilquayak in central Fraser Valley of southwestern British Columbia. The Chilquayak are the first people of the Chilliwack River watershed and are made up of seven First Nations tribal member communities. We're grateful to be here today on their unceded traditional territory. Hi everyone, I'm Lisa Shepherd. I'm known as a Métis beading artist, but just like you, I'm many-layered. I'm also a mom, a cisgendered woman, an Albertan and British Columbian, a jigger, a super feeler, and an imperfect human still embracing life's many lessons. In my heart, though, is a deep feeling of the responsibility I carry for future generations. Welcome to the last episode of our first season, episode six, Full Circle. We started this podcast at the beginning with our birth episode, and after Christmas, it continued to move along the circle to episode three, Youthful Voices. As we continued our journey, we spoke to artists and aunties, and here we are now, in this season's final episode, coming full circle to talk about end of life. Now stay with me. I know it's been a tough couple of years, and this might not feel like a topic that you want to talk about, but that's kind of the point. It's the not knowing that is uncomfortable. And if I'm being really truthful, this is the episode that I've been dreading. I wanted to have this conversation in a gentle way, in a way that feels natural and supportive instead of triggering. And as with all things in life where we're seeking guidance, the best place to look is to our old ones, our kateayak, our elders. So to help me bring beating together, season one, full circle, I'm grateful to welcome my guest, Nookum Maria Campbell. Welcome, Nookum. It's been a tough couple of years, and it's been full of a lot of loss and grief for a lot of people. And as you know, my own family's lost two of our loved ones in the past year. And to be truthful, the grief's been kind of lonely. It feels like the world's moving so fast and is so busy at a time when our hearts are tender and we want to move slow. Mm. It feels like this pandemic's forced us to really compromise end-of-life gatherings, feasts and celebrations, and it's not a natural way to grieve at all. So it feels like we spend time welcoming and honoring a new baby to this world and everyone talks about a new baby. But, and maybe this is because of COVID and provincial health restrictions on gatherings, but end-of-life events have been abbreviated in a way that doesn't properly honour a person's lifetime or celebrate a person's journey onto spirit. So I've actually been feeling a little bit nervous about this episode, um, but I always know that we have really good conversations. And so I just want to follow your lead with this, and I'm happy for any insights that you're willing to give. But first of all, I just want to say hello to everybody. I'm really honoured to be to be on this uh, podcast. This is my very first one. I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, wow. So this is... Well, thank you. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been a hard two years, I think, for everybody. But I know that this this last couple of months, it's been really we've had some really uh, really traumatic things happen in our family because uh, with all of the kids going to school, we managed nobody got COVID mm-hmm. until um, just this last just this year. Right. And February, it's like everybody just, <laughs> you know, it was just one after another. So right now, my uh, daughter has COVID. My grandson is getting over COVID. The kids have all had COVID. I've had COVID mm-hmm. all in the last month. We've had a couple of deaths. We've, you know, we've had really massive surgery. It, it's like, uh, it's been really scary. Yeah, uh, this month. And uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine or talking, texting back and forth with a friend of mine who, uh, you know, we usually we don't talk all that often or, or visit that often. But uh, every so often we having tea in the morning. So we decide to, to talk to each other. And this morning I was thinking about him and um, and just reaching out and and um and and you know thinking of how how important it is for us to have conversations like this because so many people our elders especially are passing away this mm-hmm. this last 2 years i think about my area the area where i come from and all in through that woodland area we've lost like i most of the elders are my age now Right. All of our old people have have passed in the last two years. In my family, three, our last three aunties, all the last of my dad's siblings and my mother's siblings are all gone now. Oh, and I'm sorry, that's just, always tough. Just in the last couple of years, and they were like, normally they probably lived to be a hundred, which is what they usually mm-hmm. do, but they all passed away between ninety-five and a hundred, all three of them. So. So that's been really hard. And then we've lost a lot of younger, younger people as well. So it's, you know, sometimes life goes in cycles. There'll be a whole bunch of babies born and then there'll be a whole bunch of deaths and then nothing happens for a long time. So it's been hard. And it's like that for everybody that I've talked to. It's been, it's been really, uh, I know for myself, I just feel like it's also the age that I'm coming into, you know, I'm at that age where all of the people that, you know, I used to look up to that were adults, now they're they're very elderly, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. Try being 82. Yeah. It's like, I think I have one friend left. Yeah, I always remember my dad saying, uh, I picked him up one day for a funeral, I was going to take him to the wake. So I came by and he wasn't ready. And I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't want to go. And I said, you have to go. This is your, your cousin. It was somebody that was his age and he was really close to. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, he said, he said, I don't want to go. He said, I'm the only one left. Yeah. And that was, I remember thinking, because I was only, I think, in my 60s when that happened. But I just remember thinking, Oh my goodness, I had never thought of that. You know, I'd never thought that there was such a thing as all of a sudden all your friends would be gone, all of your, uh, you know, all of the cousins and family that you grew up with and 
that you'd be the only one. And, and he was, but he still had these three sisters left. So they, they outlived him. And uh, my, my auntie always said, well, he went ahead to make camp for us. <laughs> and I always thought, what a beautiful thing to say, you know, uh, because we never think about that. And yet when I was a kid growing up, when somebody, an old person died, and, and you know, and especially if he had a partner, that's what the elders would say. And I remember my grandmother saying, you know, to people when she was, when she was helping them through it, that, uh, that, uh, well, they've gone to make camp, you know, and, and it was such a beautiful way to think about death as somebody going ahead and making camp for you, you know. <laughs> And so I, I, I was thinking about that with my three aunties. They all, my one auntie passed away. She was short, I think, two or three days of her 100th birthday. And then uh, the following year, my other auntie, my youngest auntie died. And the auntie that was like my mom, she sort of replaced my mother. She, um, on the day of the funeral, I was giving the eulogy and I sat down and my brother whispered to me and he said, uh, uh, Auntie Lita just left. So that was, she was uh, the middle one. And, uh, and I was thinking about that. I could just hear her because Auntie Ellen was the youngest of my dad's siblings. And, um, and she was kind of, you know, what babies are like in a family, everybody, yes. uh, everybody looks after them and makes sure that, you know, and my auntie um, Ellen was scared of the dark. And uh, we all laughed because we could just hear Auntie Lita saying, well, I better leave, you know, Ellen's scared of the dark. <laughs> she might have to walk in the dark room, you know, which is like her to do that. But all of these things that, uh, that I used to hear when I was a little girl that would make you feel really good about death. And that's what's missing. I, I don't feel that we talk about these things. And certainly COVID has gotten in the way of that. You know, I yeah. know when, so it was my mom, my mom-in-law and my dad-in-law that passed away in, in an 11 month span. And, you know, they were elderly, they were 94 years old. And it felt like, like we, it was the end of a generation. You know, it was a big deal. I mean, there's the loss of, you know, losing people that we love, but then there's that recognition of there's a time that's gone by that we won't get back again. It's a different way, a different generation. And that was really hard. It felt like it, you know, it took a part of us as well. But what was really missing was the opportunity to talk to people because the pandemic yeah. really kept us very separated. And even end of life services, celebrations, were really abbreviated, you know, um, we yeah. weren't able to gather with, with mom in law, it was less than 10 people that were allowed to gather. And that just didn't feel right. It didn't no, feel like this yeah. beautiful life and everything that she gave is just gone without celebration without mm -hmm. any kind of proper ceremony, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. It's really important for people to get together. I know mm -hmm. in our family, we always have big feast on, um, like we have a wake and we serve food to everybody three times, like all the way through the, the night and the, the 20, the, the three days that we have the wake. And then after the funeral, we always have a big, huge meal. Mm -hmm. And um, to not be able to do that you know, uh, and just a handful of people getting together. And then actually, there's not 
we didn't even do well we did that with my aunties but um and and they you know COVID had just started but this uh these last year this last year and a half everybody who's passed away we haven't gone to funerals not even okay. 10 because there's been COVID outbreaks you know like when you live in indigenous communities it's really hard to uh you can't always control it and so we didn't go and you know we're going to have all of these celebrations of life if if we can ever all get together again yes and I was thinking, my goodness, if we have a celebration of life of all the people who have died in our extended family, because we're a, we're a huge family and we always support each other, that's going to be a, we're going to be going to a celebration almost every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Unless we can figure out a way to have them all together, or at least like my three aunties have them together. But it's, um, yeah, it's really... Now, can, can I ask you, what is the intent, like, what is the intention behind awake? I mean, when I think of wake, I think of, it's, I've always known it as a very Irish tradition, mm -hmm. but like, it's an unusual word, wake. So what is the, yeah. the tradition behind it? I don't, that? you know, I've, I've never uh, really, uh, I think that everybody, every culture has always had wakes. Yeah. They have different names for them where people sit with with the body because when you know when we had um, midwives who were the ones who looked after who looked after birthing and dying as well and then people um you know did their own funerals and stuff it was uh, it was really different from the way it is today so so i don't know and i'm sure that most people had the same custom mm -hmm. i know that for us um midwifery was stopped in the in about 1951 because my second youngest brother my third youngest brother was the last one born at home with a midwife and uh, and so right up until uh, 1951 we uh, all of the babies were born at home but also when you were dying you were looked after by the midwife by the midwife and her helpers and then when somebody died, everybody, everybody came together and helped each other. Uh, you know, they'd all bring food. You'd have uh, a wake in in somebody's house, and um, and everybody helped with that. the The family would help. Uh, you know, first of all, the midwives would look after you and and help your family get used to you getting ready to go. And then uh, when the death happened, the family helped with uh, getting the body prepared. Right. For uh, and the rest of the community came together, and the men would build the coffin and our casket because we didn't uh, we never called them coffins, but they were they weren't anything like like today, uh, where nobody sees the body. The body was laid out on the table and. And, uh, and all dressed and everything, and then they build the build the casket. This is what we did at home, yeah. and I that happened. I think I was twelve years old when the last when we did the last one. And as you and say, my that, grandmother. Oh, pardon? Sorry. I say as you say that, like I actually feel emotional, but for a good reason. Like I feel emotional mm -hmm. because what an incredible showing of love to all be there, mm -hmm. connected to each other, and to take that time, and that's that it hasn't been that way 
you know no, it hasn't been that way yeah. uh, for quite a while i mean in our family right up until covid we did that yes i mean we didn't dress the body ourselves anymore although we helped to you know we would bring clothing and stuff and and if the undertaker let us but not always i mean that's starting to change a bit now as as we have more of our own people doing that but i know with uh with us it was you know it, then it became natural because you were with the person mm -hmm. in the house as they were leaving and then you sat with them in the house as you were you know as they as they left which is why you you know i don't know if it's like that in bc but here when somebody passes away you can always tell when you go to the hospital to visit you'll uh, walk past a room and it'll be just right full of native people and they'll be all standing outside and everything and you know at one time the it used to be really hard the, the nurses everybody would be mad but they've accepted that now is it's uh it's cultural for us to do that mm -hmm. that you're with that person and then that's what used to happen at home and then they would you know they would get the body ready so that you know the wife and the and the, the oldest sons if it was a man would help the midwife get the body ready and um and the rest of the cousins and uncles and whoever would build the the caskets for them i was gonna ask the, you about and the women all of the aunties would would cover the casket and make it all nice inside mm -hmm. and they would start preparing food and so it was like a big family big community party almost like a celebration mm -hmm. people would would come and we had we had uh, my dad was the last one when he passed away and um when was it 96 i think anyway when he passed away uh, that was the last time that we had uh, women like the, in english they're called keeners where they would come and cry okay yeah but yeah. we had a, a wake and and uh, in the wake, you served food. Food was on all the time because there'd be people coming and going. And then they served regular meals. And then these old ladies, um, you know, at, at my dad's, there was only three left that did that. But in all of the funerals that I remember as a kid, there was always all of the old ladies did that. They would come in and, you know, you'd finished eating and then people would laugh and tell stories. And, um, you know, all of that would go on. And then every so many hours, these old women would come and just before it was time for a lunch again or a meal, and they would, uh, they would kind of chant and cry. Oh. Because people would be laughing and talking. Yeah. And they would, they would uh, make this, this weeping <sighs> start like that. And they would get really like and they'd have everybody crying in a few minutes everybody would be crying and so they'd do the the keening for that they would lead that and then um if people were catholic they would have they would say their rosary and then the food would be prepared and then people would visit and laugh again right. and then they would do that again in so many hours they would keen again and everybody would cry well you know what happens is that you're 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 mourning yeah letting all of this stuff come out you've talked about all of the things been telling stories about people and and then these old ladies would make you cry so you didn't keep it all bottled up inside you know we're in modern in modern funerals which is something i never got never got used to 
is that everybody is so uh, either people are just overly dramatic or else they they don't cry. It makes me wonder how much of the, um, the frustration and anxiety that that is around yeah. us today yeah. is that well, people feelings you know, that haven't been released. Uh, yeah, death wasn't the, the scary, uh, lonely thing it is today. Right. It was it was something that was really beautiful, and you didn't bottle up. Everybody wept with you. Right. So it was like uh, you celebrated yeah. in mourning. You celebrated the sadness, but you also celebrated all of the joy with the stories and stuff. And then having the feasting, uh, the the big feast after the the body was laid to rest. That was really important. And then, you know, some of the relatives would stay over with you for a few nights and gradually they'd start leaving until you were just left with the midwives again. And, but it was, uh, it was such a good way to deal with, with everything. Well, we fear the things that we don't know. And I feel like everything right now, um, when somebody passes, you know, someone else takes care of them. So, you know, someone else gets the body ready. Someone else organizes a service, you know, and, and then we and just And that show someone up. else is somebody that doesn't know that person, right. doesn't love them, right. doesn't, hasn't played with them when they were kids. Yeah. Like my dad said, when his friends died, you know, he was, you know, the ones who went ahead of him, the men, he helped do all of that work. He built their caskets. But as they were doing that, they would laugh and joke you know, and, and say things like when they were building somebody else's casket together, him and the person who'd passed, you know, might make a joke and say, I remember, you know, Alec and I doing this together, helping so-and-so build this. And Alec said, well, I sure hope you guys aren't stingy with the lumber when you go to make mine. <laughs> you know, they tell funny stories yeah. like that because they were mourning too. And, and they're all of their emotional stuff went into building and making that casket really good. And then the people who would dig the, you know, the hole, uh, the, uh, the grave, you know, I remember as kids, we would follow them out there and go and watch them. And I mean, it was all such a, it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today when somebody mm. dies, either you don't cry or else you just cry so hard and then everybody rushes to try and calm you down, where in those days, they encouraged you to cry. That's why the old ladies did that. Yeah. And then I also feel like get it out of your system, because the fourth day, the day that they leave, the day that the body leaves, the, the spirit leaves, mm. not the body that leaves, but the day that it leaves, when you go to lay it, to put it in the ground, you walk around the casket say goodbye and you leave and you don't look back and we weren't supposed to say their names or talk about them for a year after that you know you because it, it took them they said it took them that long to make that journey to the spirit world and if you cry and you're carrying on then you're holding them back keep them back with you yeah keeping them back yeah. so that's why they really made you mourn while while the body was there yeah so it was uh the first time that I experienced, you know, mourning that way actually was the end of the walking with our sisters, Nukum. And I remember feeling like this is how it's supposed to feel. This is what it's supposed to feel like when we walked away and we didn't look back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just felt really respectful and it felt like we were very present and we were witnessing 
something really, really special. You know, I feel like this is such an important conversation to be having because there's been such cultural separation from death. But death goes on, you know, like it, it's the one thing that we can be guaranteed yeah, it's a part of, of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my thinking when I wanted to do this episode, and I was really nervous about doing it, but my thinking was just the feeling of wanting to have this conversation to, I guess, support people that have been through this in the past couple of years. And, and it has been such a lonely thing. And I think that having these conversations are just so important. Yeah, I think we don't have enough of it. I always uh, think it would be so uh, good for communities to, you know, to have those kinds of conversations and to have them with with kids too. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think uh, there are some communities that still practice those things. You know, I know some reserves that do because I've been I've been to those uh, those funerals, but. Uh, more and more it's something that's that's being left and because you know it's funeral homes that handle everything so when midwives were no longer allowed to practice that was the end of it in 1951 for our community because uh, for all of the communities in that area because that law was was right across the country i think that um, you know, midwifery, you had to start going to the hospital to have your baby. Well, many of our people were a long way from a hospital. And especially if they were far north, they had to then fly out. And they didn't know anybody in the city. They didn't have the support system that they had when the, when the midwife was, was bringing the baby into the world. I mean, everything was so different. I remember... Uh, um, you know the the first death after that happened, and and uh, the funeral. Uh, you know the the family big expense to to go to into town, yeah. Because the person died in the hospital, and that meant that the community couldn't be with them when they were dying or visiting them. And in those days, they didn't encourage you to come and sit in the hospital. Where today they allow that to happen as long as you're not too too uh, noisy, right? But it was just like everything changed. Remember in the spring, it was in the spring when we weren't, when, uh, cause I remember the baby, the mother I had to get taken to the hospital and, um, and she was gone. She was totally gone from her support system. She went to a, to a, a little town nearby where they had a, and we had a terrible doctor. He was a doctor who had gone, had been in the war and, and was shell-shocked is what they said was wrong with him, which is, mm. what do you call that now? Uh, PTSD? Yeah. Yeah. Is what he had. But they, in the old days, people used to say he was shell-shocked. And, and so women would go to the hospital, and they didn't know this was a white hospital. And they, you know, they didn't have anybody. They never had birth that way where their, you know, legs were put up. and Right. It was all, everything was so, so different. Yeah. And then uh, that same year, that same spring, somebody died and they went to, uh, you know, they had to take, they had to phone. And I can't remember if somebody, if the, if a funeral car came for him or if the police, I don't remember. I just remember a car came, but I don't remember who it was. And they took the body out of the house. And, uh, you know, uh, that was the first time that we had ever seen a, uh, 
<laughs> like I saw somebody taken out. Yeah, yeah. So there were all kinds of ceremony and ritual that you did when somebody was dying. Yeah, and then, uh, and then and then the, then bringing the body home. You know, they didn't have the funeral. The funeral didn't. The funeral home didn't bring the body home. When the body was ready, the casket was ready. I remember my 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 dad and my uncles because we lived close to the church, and so a lot of our wakes were the wakes in the community were at our house because it was nearby and it wasn't that far to carry the casket. But I remember my dad and uncles going into town to uh, bring the casket home, um, and it was like everything was. This was a, a, a store bought again at great expense people couldn't afford stuff like mm -hmm. that so it was like everything changed it became a transactional you know, people felt bad because they had to buy the cheapest cheapest casket yeah. like you're made to feel yes terrible because you're not spending all this money and yeah everything cost money yeah that, so that's definitely the imp how we felt we felt yeah. you know in this past year we felt like how did this become something that was just so transactional? You know, know. where is the spirit in this? Like, we, this should be more spiritual and not so transactional. Yeah. And, and it's not the relationship that we should be having with death. It just doesn't feel natural for it to be no. that way. And it isn't natural. It isn't natural for anybody. It's, it's helped us to kind of, I think that be began the, the journey to our dehumanization because that's mm -hmm. what's happening to us. You know, between that and television and watching people just get shot all up and blown right. up and everything. Right. Yeah. It's our, our about people wasting each other. So, you that know, you start to for lose. Life. Yeah. You're not there when birth happens to celebrate it. And you're not there when death happens to celebrate it and, and to be a part of the ritual of, of preparing everything Nukem, you talked about children, and I'm wondering, were children around during wakes? Like, was that? Oh, yeah. They were. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were They were around, but uh, they didn't go to the grave. Uh, like, they didn't go to the, the little kids didn't go to the grave site. Right. And uh, the babies and pregnant moms didn't come close to the body. Like, they, they sat, mm. like, because there was seating, and, like, people yeah. would bring all their chairs and stuff, so they would... They would come to the wake, but maybe they'd stay outside in the summertime. They'd stay in the tents. And if they came in, then they would sit at the back of the of the house. Why would so they not? Because, go, because not you know, for the four days, that spirit is there yet. Yeah. With you. That's why you have the wake to so that they can be part of that. Right. That's our belief anyways. So if, you know, if somebody doesn't want to leave, it's not hard to, to take over a child's body at least that's what they used to say I mean okay. there's all kinds of of things that people would say but you also you also uh, got a lesson as a child hearing things like that yeah you know about uh, being respectful about death and, and 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 the dead yeah you know because if and if it wasn't a very nice person well then you didn't you you didn't you didn't stay close as a child eh? And then I suppose the children would be around to witness the laughter and the and the celebration oh, as yeah. well. Like it's all tied in. We were we were part of everything. Yes. Yeah. You know, people didn't chase their kids out. We all ate with everybody. We just weren't allowed to go near the casket 
where the area where the casket was. And it wasn't anybody said you can't come, but all if it was a man who had died, then all of the men sat around during the wake. And you know, there'd be times when the when the family would sit beside the casket. But when the storytelling and all of that happened, people, it was it was men or else the women who sat around or the old people who sat around somebody. So kids never were you would never go in there and, and break that circle once they were around there. Right. Right. And, um, and then, you know, we used to do all kinds of crazy things as kids. Oh, it's, you know, we'd, because we'd heard all kinds of stories as well. Yeah. You know, we'd scare each other. We'd, because oh. the casket was always kept by the window and in yeah. the summer, the window was open. So we dare each other to go look in the, oh. <laughs> to look in the window and then we'd all run away and, you know, kids will be kids. Yes. That's all part of life too. You're, you know, it's sacred time, but it's also an ordinary time. You don't, right. kids are allowed to be, to ask questions and be like that. And we don't do that anymore. It's everything is shh. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we, don't, every- we don't talk about death. We don't do anything with our kids. Well, and I feel like there's also everything separated out. Like, you know, there's, there's birth, there's babies there's children there's adults there's but without that full circle connection of like knowing that everything just comes back around again and again and again you know and and we need to know that yeah yeah but there's also the element of mystery is also gone from awake too it just becomes a religious ritual and religion is so stiff and especially if the wake is, I mean, if the funeral home is handling it because they're just stiff there, there because they don't know the people. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're at least in the old wakes, if they were Anglican or Catholic priest around, they were somebody who you'd grown up with. So they knew the person, but uh, there's no mystery. It's like birthing. There's no mystery around birthing anymore. You know, it's, that's supposed to be women's business. Right. And, and just like the kids weren't allowed to go around the casket and, you know, do that stuff. Men never went around and sat there and watched their babies being born. Right. You, the, the, the mystery and the sacredness goes when you and that's that's a huge. You know, I mean, to watch uh, your child being born, it, it's people say that that's really special to to do that for a man but it's also pretty horrific for a man right to watch life coming and especially when that wasn't for us culturally that wasn't the man's business you know uh, birthing was a sacred thing and 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 that's one of the reasons why people you know the the old cliche about women are sacred because they give life which is true but it's become a cliche because Mm don't have that same wonderful mystery about about birthing it's and almost it's like it gets thing. said so much that we lose the meaning in it right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, like everybody needs mystery and sacred in their lives and when that's taken away there's not a whole lot left i wonder what what we'll have to do you know as we move back into something that resembles normal i wonder what we're gonna have to do well, i think to we're starting i think COVID has forced us to do that look at yeah. what we're doing and yeah. you've invited me to come in and have a, a 
conversation with you about this. That's something that we would never have done before. Mm -hmm. Our community is having a circle. We're bringing in, uh, we're going to come and sit. I forgot to shut this off. (laughs) Yeah, something that our community is doing is we're, we're having a bunch of healing circles just to bring the community back together and to talk about loss and and any grief that we're experiencing because loss and grief doesn't have to necessarily be for a person it can be for a change in life a way of life Mm -hmm. or you know anything we can grieve over the loss of anything so we're coming together to have those conversations in small circles and safe spaces you know Mm -hmm. and and having I think there's been some really wonderful things that have happened in the last two years I mean everybody keeps talking about it like it's really dreadful it is on one hand, but on the other hand, people are reaching out in ways that they never did before. That's true. You know, we're thinking so about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I have I've been uh, I've been really busy the last uh, year, especially with with uh, storytelling, with with visiting like this, like just talking and it and at first I thought nobody's going to want to listen because it's it's so difficult when you're trying to do it on a you know on online because you can't you can't see anybody except the person you know one or two people but it's not it's actually some of the some of the best things that I've done and and have been you know in this last two years because I'm also, uh, you know, missing that in my life, and I I want to to be able to share that with people. And um, and yeah, for, I, I for the that, record, uh, Nukem, you could talk about the color of yellow for an hour, and we would all listen. Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> it's fine to say that, but that's not always true. And and I didn't think I'd ever be able to do that kind of thing on online i couldn't even imagine this three years ago and i'm sure nobody can i mean people who are listening now yeah probably never thought that they'd be you know listening checking to see where they could hear something like this yeah but it's um it's it's important and i think that that we're thinking about all sorts of things that maybe we didn't think about three years ago you know because we just and you're right. Nothing's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're we're going to have to find new ways to live because we're not going to be able to. At least, not all of us are going to be able to go back to the way that we were. Yeah. You know, there's been too much. We've done too much thinking. Um, we've become aware of a lot of things. Maybe we'll try and cover them up because they're scary. Some of them, but I don't think. Um, I really don't think that we'll ever go back to the way that we were. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that things will be different. I don't know how, you know, I don't know. But maybe I'm wrong. I just can't see it. I think that every so often something happens in the world that changes everything overnight. Yeah. You know, I know that uh, I I remember the war. I was... uh, because I, I, I was born before the war. And I, and I remember how our community changed so dramatically with all of the men going away to war. And all right. of a sudden, you know, your mom and your aunties are doing all the work that your dad and your uncles used to do. Yeah. You know, uh, and then when they came back, everything changed again. 
Right. You know, women weren't used to, uh, you know, they'd been running everything. And, and you know, uh, so men had to, had to find a way to fit into that kind of, of life. So I don't know. So maybe this we'll is an opportunity. Thing. Maybe it's yeah. an opportunity for us to, I know there's been a lot more talk about, you know, mental health and nobody talked about that before. You know, that was taboo. You know, and here we are having a talk about end of life, which, you know, yeah. in, in recent years has been taboo. But we've all, like with this pandemic, we've all been thinking about it for two years. We've been thinking about loss. We've been thinking about grief. And, you know, and maybe this is yeah. an opportunity to start connecting with one another and froze, really talking. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know. And then just think about it. I was thinking of my little, my great granddaughter, the youngest one is eight years old. Yeah. And she was over visiting the other day and, and, uh, you know, she was three years ago, she was just a little girl. Yeah. And she's, she's got, you know, this is normal for her. Yeah. All of these kinds of stuff. Right. You know, so there's this, all of this, these things that, you know, what, are, what's going to be with those kids, you know, um, they're going to see the world in a different way. We're Completely talking about different. climate change. We never did that. Yeah, you know, we're really aware of it because along with COVID, we've also had a huge dramatic change in our climate. Yes. It's uh, forced us to to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that it's it's going to be good once we adjust to it, but I think it's going to be like trying on a pair of stiff you know, stiff a pair of shoes with stiff leather. Yeah, and we're to break to, them in. We're going to struggle for a while and then and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it will. And then when you think about all the stuff that's been happening with, uh, you know, the blockades and stuff, that's different too. I mean, we've never, yes. I mean, we've, you know, we have people that, you know, will, will, you know, over pipelines and stuff like that, but we've never had anything like this before. Mm-hmm. This is totally different again. And, and it's, made us realize that, you know, we've been pretty blind about a lot of stuff. We haven't paid attention to all of the, you know, the unhappiness and the, and the anger that's been building in people. And it's not just because it's happened in two years. It's always been there for a long time. Yeah. Because you can't have lots of people that are poor and lots of people that are well off and people whose jobs are insecure there's no no real job security for a lot of people you can't have that kind of stuff without things boiling over yeah and we're you know we're because of technology which is really a good thing but on the other hand it's putting us in touch with all of the all of the things that are not pleasant anywhere in the world right and and we're becoming a part of that. You know? Yeah. All of a sudden, we're not watching what's happening in another country. Yeah. We're looking at, oh my gosh, you know, this is what's happening here. We've been able to go along for such a long time, just taking things for for granted, and now yeah. it's it's right before our eyes, and we're recognizing how much we're just all a connected part of the circle, and. You know, we have to not take things and, for granted. And I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, for us as Indigenous people, how is that going to change life for us now that now that uh, white people have discovered their trauma? <laughs> you know? mm. 
it's uh, yeah. Well, I know that some of the things that I've witnessed are people beginning to talk to one another more than they have before. You know, I know we've got a lot of listeners that are not Indigenous, and they're happy to listen to this and to to learn another perspective. And that mm-hmm. wasn't something that was happening before. You yeah. know, I'm really and grateful for that. What, yeah. And maybe what people might do is what I hope they'll do is that they'll start looking at their own history mm-hmm. and realize that um, most of us settlers didn't leave, you know, people who came and settled our land and people who immigrate here, they don't come here because everything is wonderful in their country. Nobody wants right. to leave their homeland. No. You know, they come here because they're looking for a for looking for a peaceful place. That's right. Or Safety. a place where there's some opportunity. And um, but they don't they they bring a lot of stuff with them. And then when they get here, they want to forget it and build a new life. And um, and a good life and and that good life is, you know, sometimes means that other people are hurt because of the good life that you're having. Mm-hmm. And never, you know, after a few generations, you forget that in your, you had to leave your country because people were starving over there or right. because there was war. And then, you know, never really look at what's happening to Indigenous people here. You know, most new immigrants, don't realize that we had real starvation times in this country that you know over more than half of our populations died across Canada and in many places like the prairies the treaties uh, you know starvation was used to to hurry the treaty process along Mm -hmm. those are things that people don't know and when you once people know their own history and because people are really getting into genealogy and stuff yeah Maybe when they start to learn their own history, they'll realize that this is what's happening here now. We're, you know, whatever was over there is now up. This has been created here. And if we're going to make change for our kids, we have to look at how much we have in common. We have a common history. Yeah. The only difference is that as Indigenous people, we're not immigrating someplace else. We're staying in our own land which then changes our relationship. You know, our relationship is different because we're in our homeland. Yes. You know, uh, but uh, if we're going to change anything so that our world is better for our children, we talk about our children, we have to come to terms with that and look at each other and look at what we have in common so that we can build from that instead of, um, you know, I just think about, you know, Irish history, for example, you know, I can't remember, but it was almost probably more than a million people died from starvation and immigrated from Ireland. And, and when they, when they got here, they eventually were able to, to do really well, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but their history is almost identical to ours. It really is. Same with Scotland. Yeah. You know, all of the same policies that were imposed on Indigenous people were first imposed on Scotland and Ireland. That's right. And yet you ended up with, with those people coming here and, and becoming a part of yeah. that. I mean, look at McDonald. You know, they 
they clear cut his land. They, they, his people starved. All of those terrible things happened, and he ended up imposing those kinds of laws and policies on indigenous people here. Right. Instead of learning, I don't want that. This is what happened to us over there. You know. Instead of behaving the same way. That. So there's, you yeah. know, maybe those kinds of things will happen. Maybe we'll start to look at those things and. And we'll be able to try and build a, a peaceful society. I hope so. <laughs> it's telling me that my uh, my my Wi-Fi is kind of unstable. Yeah, you froze up a few times, but I just stayed quieter or said something to fill in the, the space. So, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that you would add that you would want people to know about or to think about moving forward regarding end of life and celebrations and everything that we've been talking about? I guess the thing that I would, I would like to uh, just point out to people is that with all of the stuff that's been happening, the, you know, the bodies that, that they've been finding of children after residential school, that's, um, you know, it's, uh, it was really horrifying the first time we heard it, but now it's hardly even, anybody even talks about it and when we're thinking about about death thinking about you know well you know reconciliation is becoming almost a, a, a dead subject yeah you no know, um, all of those things is that we have to be careful that we don't that none of us become hardened yeah numb to it right because because the the bodies of those children matter. That's, you know, if that every could happen one. to them, it can happen. To, it can happen again. Yeah. And every then, single one was a, was a life, was a future that was. Yeah. And, we're, and there's going to be lots more because, you know, this is only a, a few that they've, they've found. Yeah. And to, uh, and I guess I just want people to think about that. Think about all the wars in the world. You know, it's the children that, that are just, you know, maimed and traumatized and killed and nobody, we don't always think about what happens to children when, when, when people are being mean to each other, being ugly yeah. with one another. Yeah. It's our children that inherit that. And then that's the, that's the inheritance they have. And that's what they build community with, you know, the children who came here those were the tools that they had and that's the community they build with. So we have to, we have to find new tools for our kids. Yeah. You know? Well, even the children today that are, that are find, witnessing find the news stories, me. you know, yeah. they're, they're being traumatized by it too. You know, and we can rewrite our story. It doesn't yeah. have to be like this. You know, we can determine what kind of world we're going to live in and what kind of story we're going to write instead of beating the mm -hmm. daylights out of each other. So where do we find hope then, Nukum? How do how do we how do we look at this? Pardon? I said, where do we find hope then? How do we look at this and not just feel so lost in it? You know, where well, does I hope don't, lie? I, I don't feel lost. I, okay. I mean, I sound like a, it's all tragic and terrible hmm. because I mean I've just been almost overwhelmed the last few weeks with everything that's happening in our family. But you know, once things settle down a little bit and I'm not just racing around so much I think well all of this will pass and it's a part of 
you know, people dying and sickness and stuff is all a part of, of life. Yeah. And life goes on. And, you know, once I, I, I'm able to calm myself down and see that, then I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't feel hopeless. I actually have great hope that, that good things will come out of what's happened. Yeah. Uh, but I, I need to find ways all of us do to de-stress our st- ourselves mm-hmm. because we live with, you know, like at least in my family anyway, my, my family has always been really independent and hard workers. And, you know, the last two years, you know, grandchildren, nieces and nephews have lost jobs there, you know, uh, there's all kinds of stress happening all over. And it just means that family has to pull together and we have to help each other through that. But, you know, with broken Wakufta, when our kinship systems are broken, it's sometimes people don't have the supports that they need. Mm -hmm. So how do we as a community provide those kinds of supports? And for those who don't know that word, Wakotawin, it's it's it means it's some people say it means kinship, mm-hmm. but it, it's kinship to everything, to related everything. to everything. Yeah. You know, if you think of our earth as a circle, our world as a circle, everything inside of there, including the weather, the animals, the birds, the land, the trees, the plants. Mm-hmm. All of them have babies, all of them have families, and those are all of our relatives. We're all equal, creator made us all equal. And, and we have to be, you know, today, because of our histories, those things have been broken, those connections. So this is like this big spider web with holes all over it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to, we have to find ways to mend that so that we start taking care of each, each yeah. other and, and taking care of our, our land and our water. And, and, you know, so many things are endangered. And if they're endangered, that means we're endangered too. Yes. And I think that the people that I've seen that really understand that, that is, it's so natural for them to understand that, are the children. You know, mm-hmm. children know, they know to be sad at... at you know, seeing one of their relations that isn't a people relation, relation mm-hmm. suffering, you know, they know to be sad, you know, they're closer, yeah. I think, to That's that true. understanding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nukam, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be able to spend a bit of time talking about this. Um, I'm, I was silly to be nervous about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's visiting. Yugewin in Cree means, uh, again, it's one of those words where we can say it means visiting, but it's more than visiting. Mm. It's a way for us to re-remind each other, to, uh, to, uh, well, re-remind each other about everything, all sorts of things, to educate each other, to pass on information, you know, uh, all of those things, Kyukewen is such a sacred thing, and we used to always do it. You just run over to your, you know, your friend's house, your granny's house, your auntie's house. For me, when I was growing up, and then when I my children, I raised my children in the cities, so I had I had heart family. I didn't have my 
my aunties and uncles or my cousins nearby, but I ended up with heart family, yes. people that live close and they became our aunties and uncles. And you just sort of drop in any old time of the day and have a cup of tea or, or go have dinner together or go on a picnic together, go berry picking together. <laughs> and now we don't do anything. You know, everything is, we carry these things around. Yeah, cell phones. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. But the more we talk about this and the more that we know that that's what we need to do is to really connect with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, I, I had COVID, so I'm sort of running out of breath. <laughs> well, I won't keep you then. And I'm so grateful that you're, that you're mending. And I'm so sorry for, you know, and the prayers up for your family that's that's with COVID right now and for everybody who's yeah, well, actually, suffering Well, actually, you know, this. because we're lucky where everybody's been vaccinated so it's not so hard yeah. on them yeah the ones who weren't vaccinated are the ones that we've lost and it's mm. you know they're mostly old people right so it's really sad yeah but, yeah well thank you thank i look you. forward to our next talk thank you for inviting me <laughs> yeah i don't say goodbye you know that right i'll say see you later okay <laughs> okay <laughs> see you love you all right i'll see you later then thank you this has been episode six of beating together Thanks to our guest, Maria Campbell. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us this season. We hope to have you sit in circle with us again soon. Beating Together is produced and edited by Aaron Dawson. Audio engineer, Matthew Jansen. Our theme music was composed by Métis actress and musician Alexa Berard. Our podcast artwork was designed by Métis graphic artist Emma Grant. This podcast was made possible through funding from Métis Nation BC. See you later. <laughs>